Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paralegal Tea Time. So, Jess, what is the tea of the day? Hello, everyone. This is part two of our discussion in the legal area of family law. On part one, we had a family law attorney, and we were exploring the high percentages of divorce after the holiday season. In part two, we want to get to know um, the, the from a paralegal's perspective how it is to work in the family law field. Um, especially during the hectic times with high divorce rates. Yes, today we have a special guest to help us with this hot topic. Joining us today is Jennifer Smith. Jennifer is an advanced certified paralegal, and she has held very impressive titles, um, such as former president of the Paralegal Convention of New Jersey. She was also the former president of the New Jersey Paralegal Association of New Jersey, and former co-chair of the New Jersey State Bar Association Paralegal Committee. She is a current trustee at large of the Paralegal Association of New Jersey and a current member of the Berkeley College Legal Studies Advisory Board. She is employed as a full-time family law paralegal and has many years of experience. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome Jennifer Smith. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me this evening. Um, I actually, uh, after you read my my bio, I thought, wow, she's really impressive. I want to hire her. <laughs> um, yes. so thank you so much for uh, inflating my ego. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here this evening, and I look forward to having uh, talking about family law. Yes, it is an honor to have you here. And, you know, like you've paved the way for a lot of us. So we are definitely excited to touch on this great topic. And uh, we did have Maurice Giro, family law attorney, on part one. So we're excited to let's, you know, dig in from a paralegal's perspective. Um, is everyone ready to spill the tea? <laughs> definitely. Yes, I am ready. <laughs> All right. So, Jennifer, in our last family law episode, we talked about a Reader's Digest article dated April uh, 2022 that stated that January is unofficially dubbed the divorce month and that many couples wait until the new year to get their divorce. Um, is that the busiest month for you as a par family law paralegal? Are you crazed during that time of year? Um, that's a, a great question. And pre-pandemic, I would say, yes, the first quarter of the year is probably one of the busier times. But since we've had COVID, it has been nonstop. Uh, family law in the past, prior to COVID, we would have, we would slow down in the summer. We would slow down around Thanksgiving and Christmas because people don't want to get divorced or file for divorce during the holidays. They, for one reason or another, want to keep their families together. And, and then come the new year, they decide to pull the plug. However, since COVID has, has hit and that has not been the case anymore, we have not had a chance to slow down. We have not had our, our lulls as we used to have. And my ability to catch up is not, um, it's just a constant go, go, go. Yeah. COVID has definitely affected, you know, a lot of us uh, in different areas, but that's a great, you know, great perspective you uh, pointed out there. 
Um, so with divorce, I'm guessing it comes with a lot of bags of emotions. You know, you have some clients that, you know, display anger, some may display greed, and some may even cry, you know, when they're talking to you. What qualities would you say should a good family law paralegal have in order to deal with the different types of these emotions that the clients, you know, display and that these paralegals may face on a day-to-day -day basis during an intake meeting uh, or typical client phone calls when the clients call to discuss their cases or vent about their spouse or opposing counsel? Um, I, I would say the there are many qualities that I would think are required, but the most important, important is patience. You just need to um, listen. So I guess that's another quality, but having the patience to listen to the clients and they're going to repeat themselves over and over again. You're going to hear their life story um, numerous times and you just need to be patient and let them talk. Um, but on the same note, you also need to be able to tangentially break away from them going down the rabbit hole of, of their life history and, and what is currently bothering them. Because there have been times with clients that I've showed empathy and I've really tried to give them my shoulder and an hour later, I'm still on the phone with them. So it's important to have the ability to listen and, and have patience and be empathetic, but also to be able to be stern and guide them in the right way, in the correct direction as far as their emotions go. Yeah, and I'm sure it's also important in, in the way that you're guiding them to also be able to get all the details necessary for your intake, you know, for you to be able to get the information necessary to prepare the documents you need while you are being empathetic. So that's a great, uh, great point that you uh, mentioned. Right. Um, all right. This is a question for you, Jennifer. Um, for anyone looking to get into the family law field, um, whether they're exploring this option. Um, so in season one, episode three of our podcast, we had a managing partner of a big recruiting firm as our guest. And he mentioned that family law is one of the hottest areas of law for paralegals, um, including with the biggest salaries. Uh, in your opinion, is family law an area where salaries are competitive or do you think there's room for improvement? Um, well, I, I, that's a tricky question. Um, whenever anybody asks me about salary and if they think this is fair, what they're being paid, um, I have, with all my years of experience, I have learned that sometimes salary isn't always as important as other things may be. Um, I find family law, it's, it's very, it is a very hot area and it, it's growing leaps and bounds. But, you know, if you're working in a solo practice, where you're doing everything, you are wearing every hat, you're making photocopies, you're, you're filing, you are um, having to deal with clients and, and do pleadings and, and balance the checkbook and pay the bills and call for repairs. Um, mm -hmm. But you also have the flexibility of 
leaving early on a Friday because it's just you and the attorney or, you know, things are slow right now. I'm going to cut out half day. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to go with the flow and, and figure out what is, is the most important for you. Uh, you know, you get into family law, you get, I work for a mid-sized firm um, and there, there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of, I can't leave in the middle of the day because I don't feel like working anymore. Whereas if I worked for a solo, I might be able to do that. Um, but I also don't have to make large copies. I don't have to um, call a, a maintenance person to have our computers fixed or the copier fixed. I don't have to deal with answering reception phones. So, you know, there's a lot of give and take as far as salary goes. So um, I think for anybody that's looking to break into the family law industry, you need to figure out really what your priorities are and where you want to fall within in that. I came from a solo and I work for a mid-sized firm. I've been with my firm for 18 years um, and I'm very content because there's lots of people around to help me, which to me is, is reassuring. When I worked all by myself and I had two motions that I had to get out in the same day and the copiers broken, I'm the only one that has to run to Staples to make the photocopies to make sure that everything can be hand delivered as it was back in the day to the courthouse. So, um, yeah, those are I, some I, great valid points. I mean, I, I would say salary is, you know, you have to make your salary what, what you expect. If I have flexibility, I'll take less salary you know, so, but that's me. That's, that's my personal thing. So I think everybody needs to yeah. decide and determine. Yeah, I, think, I think that's a great point. I mean, quality of life is um, a big, you know, a big factor. I also worked for a solo. I know exactly what you were talking about with <laughs> fixing the copier, you know, <laughs> doing the mailings, you know, it's just, you do everything. Um, and, you know, and then I went to the large firm and I was like, wow, there are so many resources. <laughs> I can give this to someone to make copies. And, um, but yeah, I agree. Salary isn't everything. And, um, you, you know, someone should pick the environment that they want to be in. Yeah. And this is exactly why we have this episode titled From a Paralegal's Perspective, because you will never get this type of, you know, um, perspective um from anyone other than a paralegal i mean it's a, it's an amazing way to look at things um salary just can't be based on one factor you kind of have to look at everything the pros the cons and you know what a better way to get um a, a sense of it from what she just said that was a great great picture jennifer thanks and in that same way um you know the um the guest we had also talked about hybrid positions and he mentioned that hybrid positions are here to stay. Now, uh, can a family law paralegal do their job um, in a hybrid setting? Is that something that, um, that can be done? I, yes, I definitely believe that it, it can be done. I personally rather go into the office every day, even during COVID, I was in the office every day um, because I just have less distractions at the office. And if I 
if I'm working from home, I'm not stopping. Four o'clock comes, five o'clock comes, six o'clock, I'm still working. My husband's home, dinner's on the table, I'm still working. Whereas if I'm at work and I come home, I'm home, I disconnect from work. Although I do check my emails on my phone, you know, just minor stuff. But um, so I, I truly believe that a family law paralegal could be hybrid, could work from home 100%, provided the attorney is paperless. Um, the attorney, one of the main attorneys that I work for is not paperless. He, he refuses to give up his paper copies. He wants everything printed. He wants a paper file. Um, so in that aspect, I could not be hybrid or even, well, I guess I could be hybrid, but I would need to really strategically plan in preparing the file for him. Whereas I have another attorney who um, she is 100% remote. She never steps foot in the office. Everything is, is digital, electronic. So with her, yes, I could be um, hybrid or 100% work from home. Um, so I, I definitely think that family law is an arena where hybrid is, is definitely a possibility. Wow, so you have a sample of both. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're all moving towards paperless. <laughs> yeah, Seems let's to be hope. moving that way. <laughs> let's hope. All right, Jennifer, time to spill the tea. And without going into case specifics, can you tell us what you've seen in your years of experience? Like what is the most common thing that couples um, dispute over in their divorces? Um, and what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen? Oh, this is a fun one. Um, <laughs> most common is is finances and um, custody. And a lot of times I see custody not because one parent wants more custody than the other. It's about money. They don't want to have to pay more child support. So they say, oh, I'm going to take the child, you know, 50% of the time. So I don't have to pay the my other the other spouse as much money. Um, which is unfortunate, but a, a lot of the the issues I see couples fighting over is finances. Um, one of the other is big issues that they tend to fight over is if one spouse um, was, you know, unfaithful. If there was infidelity in the the relationship, the other spouse holds a grudge and will just not cooperate or, or work with anything. Um, the most ridiculous item I have ever seen, this was, uh, was when I was working for my solo, the solo attorney. So it was probably close to 20 years ago. Everything was settled, alimony, child support, um, equitable distribution. It was all taken care of except two items of personal property. They went to trial over two items of personal property. Oh if I remember my. correctly, it was a tea set and I don't even remember what the other item was, but the amount of money that was spent on arguing over those two items, they could have been replaced 10 times. Oh, so my goodness. That is one of the most set. ridiculous. Yeah, yes. <laughs> tea set for our tea time i know paralegal tea time that's insane yeah <laughs> they should have shared like custody of it or something yeah right 
God, what a waste of money. <laughs> um, all right, so let's switch gears and we'll talk about um, the day-to-day -day work for a family law paralegal. Um, so in addition to, you know, drafting a complaint for divorce, what, what do you assist the family law attorneys with generally? Um, most of all, most things that I do is um, discovery and financial statements. In family law, they're called a case information statement. Um, and that's really the footprint and the backbone to any family law, any, any matrimonial case, because that lays out your income, uh, your assets, your liabilities, what your budget is, uh, lays everything out. So it's super duper important to be as specific and as close to your budget as you can possibly be. So that's one of the big things that I do. And the other one is, um, as I mentioned, discovery. And that um, would be notice to produce, interrogatories, responding to them, gathering the documents um, that you know are responsive, getting them in order. Uh, I bait stamp everything because um, it's actually saved me quite a few times when people will say, oh, you didn't produce this. And I'll say, yes, I did. And it's bait stamp number blah 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 and and so there's proof that i i did submit it so um you know all these different steps that i take are are time consuming but i find them to be very important so that's that's a lot of what i work with and um i meet i do a lot of client meetings and gathering documents and information and getting the, the attorneys prepared for uh, going to court and trial and so that basically sums up my my day okay, okay. do uh, family law paralegals also assist with the mediation piece to settle the divorces and avoid the trial or is that mostly attorneys that handle that part so my attorneys don't do mediation I mean we attend mediation so that aspect of it um, when I am setting up mediation or working with another firm or a mediator to schedule mediation. It, um, it has a lot more to do with the, the scheduling. My number one hated thing that I hate more than oh. anything in the whole wide world is <laughs> yes. the scheduling, especially when there's more than, you know, two people involved. Um, but uh, I understand from other paralegals that their attorneys that do do mediation, you know, they help with mediation statements, they help with gathering documents and making sure that the attorney slash mediator has everything that they need at their disposal for mediation uh, to be successful. Oh, great. Okay. So it is something in addition that can be done by the family law paralegal. Yes. All right. So uh, I came across in doing research for this topic, njcourts.gov uh, is a website that offers divorce kits and instructions and the filing fee for that is $300 for the plaintiff. Uh, and, you know, I just thought about it. Does it bother an experienced family law paralegal such as yourself that there is like templates and kits available and that sort of thing? Um, you know, it sort of gives out sort of like a perception that divorce may be easy when in fact, in my opinion, based on our first episode with Mr. Giro and now 
your episode. It's a very complicated thing, which I really do think legal advice should be sought. Um, you know, does it really bother you that this type of um, kit is available and that it gives a perception that, hey, here's a kit, it's sort of like an easy do-it-yourself thing, or what are your thoughts on this? Uh, personally, I think that the divorce kit online through the New Jersey courts is excellent. Um, it gives a roadmap for anyone that, that would like to file for divorce. Um, unfortunately, not everyone can afford an attorney. So it will, it gives people that are not able to necessarily um, afford an attorney the uh, ability to work through the divorce by themselves. Um, I, I, if fortunately, and I guess really unfortunately for clients, but fortunately divorces are not simple and they're not as easy as filling out a form and submitting it. There is a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration and a lot of negotiations or um, things that need to be reviewed and gone over. Um, so uh, on one hand, I think that this is an awesome application, an awesome kit to have available to, to people at their fingertips. On the other hand, um, I think it gives people a perception, as you said, that it's easy and they can do it themselves. Yeah, that's a that's a good good thought that not everyone can afford an attorney, but um, definitely it's it, it's food for thought, though. You know, yes. um, definitely something to think about for our listeners. Mm -hmm. All right, yes. um, I have the question: Does the New Jersey court require or recognize um, a legal separation period for a divorce proceeding? The state of New Jersey does not recognize or have any um, type of legal separation, no. Yeah, I was wondering that too, but again, I, I only did family law 101, <laughs> like when I went to college. So I, <laughs> I am so not an expert, but it's always yeah. great to learn these things. Right. Um, now, I, I did have a question about whether there is a special software that family law paralegals use to get assignments done. Um, well, one of the, the, aside from your basic Microsoft Office suite, which I use all the time, um, I use a program for the financial documents that I prepare, which is the case information statements. Um, there is FamilySoft and EasySoft, and I, there, there may even be some others out there. Those are the two that I'm most familiar with. Um, so those are, are really important programs to have if you are in family law. Um, it, it's basically one program, the financial documents, and then they will also formulate or calculate your child support guidelines. So both of those are extremely important in family law. Yeah, I've heard of EasySoft. That, that's definitely a well-known software. Yes, I believe Leap owns it now. Okay. That's great. That's something for the listeners to look up if you're not familiar with that software yes. and you're in the industry, definitely look it up. And um, let's see here, moving on to another question. 
Uh, a very popular one, especially, it comes up a lot, believe it or not, on um, in the uh, TV and social media, and it's popular when you're watching celebrities, uh, prenups, prenuptial agreements. Do family law paralegals have, um, you know, uh, any um, experience uh, with their day-to-day -day tasks as far as drafting or assisting with drafting prenuptial agreements? Um, I, I certainly help assist with the uh, preparation of prenuptial agreements. Uh, in, I, prenups are so delicate. Um, you need to make sure that every T is crossed and every I is dotted because one little error, you can get that prenup thrown out. Um, wow. So it is super duper important to make sure that everything is in there. And with that goes your financials, what your assets and your liabilities are. And it is super important to have all that backup in attached with the with the prenuptial agreement to have a list of all your assets, all your liabilities, um, what your, you know, your past tax returns were. Uh, so as far as fact gathering and getting the information together and helping to prepare the spreadsheets that get attached to a prenup, yes, a family law paralegal can be uh, very useful. Yeah, and I would assist sometimes it could be challenging if, you know, some of the clients may be trying to hide certain assets. So I would assume maybe sometimes the attorneys may have to hire some kind of like um, asset search company sometimes. I don't know. I just thought of that. That might be um, certain I don't, instances. Yeah, I don't see that so much with prenuptial agreements, but definitely in divorce. Oh, wow. Okay. Definitely in divorce. It's, That's interesting. You know, in, when you're, when you're doing a prenup, you want to put all your cards on the table because you want to make sure that everything that you have is protected. Whereas when you have a divorce situation, you very well want to, you know, keep as much to yourself as, as you can, unfortunately, or fortunately, that's not the case in New Jersey. Everything needs to be laid out on the table, whether it's a subject to equitable distribution or not. So Good points. Definitely. Yeah. Great information. Yeah. Um, definitely. I know we have some tea. Uh, I know you're definitely heading out the uh, New Jersey Paralegal Convention this year. But before we get to that, Jessica has one more question for you. Okay. Um, so we know there's different types of paralegals. I'm generally a employment law paralegal listed as trust in estates. What would you say is the most rewarding thing about being a family law paralegal? For me, it's the ability to help people. I um, My first career was nursing and it, I was found it very rewarding because I could help people. And when I got into the law and family law, you're dealing with people at their most vulnerable moments when they're raw and they're, they are exposing themselves to the lawyer and the lawyer staff um, with some very delicate, sensitive, personal information. So it can be, you know, very scary and almost embarrassing at times. 
depending on what it is that you you are sharing or you need to share. So um, I find it rewarding that I am able to help people and give them the confidence that that they need to help them to get through the divorce. That's well, great. That's, and I, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I know it takes a special kind of person because I used to sit next to a family law paralegal in uh, my first job and I would listen to her phone conversations and it definitely takes a special kind of person <laughs> to be a family law paralegal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. You have to have a, you know, a, a definitely a good rapport and a, almost like part therapist, part like special paralegal superpowers. I don't know. You have to be an amazing, amazing person. And so that you are, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. Let's get into some final tier, uh, tea. Jennifer, uh, I know you are headlining and planning the New Jersey Paralegal Convention this year. We first of all, thank you for doing that. And is there any tea you can give us? Any um, Anything you can share with us about this year's Paralegal Convention, which is in October? So we are well underway with our planning for the convention this year. Uh, the venue, we are going to be at the Imperia in Somerset. Um, it's a smaller venue than the hotels. So we're going to have less class options, but I'm hoping that um, more people will get to attend the seminars that they would like to attend. So for anyone that has not attended the paralegal convention in the past or um, hasn't in a while, for the first three sessions, we run concurrent seminars. Um, this year, I believe we'll have three seminars running in, during each of the these allotted seminar times. And then we will have lunch, and we'll have our, our fourth and final seminar all as one. Um, generally, we do an ethics seminar at the end for those of us like myself that needs to have credits to get credits through for the National Association of Legal Assistants. Um, we need ethics credits. So we try and do an ethics seminar um, all together at the end after lunch. Um, we also have vendors that participate so you can come and learn about all the different areas that paralegals may use a process server or a bank or um, a financial person or perhaps a copy company um, there is a, a variety of different vendors that attend um, and we've got a number of them already signed up we are hoping to, NALA, the National Association of Legal Assistants, will be there as well. Um, we are hopefully going to be able to have one of the NALA associates work or present a seminar so that we can, you know, people who are interested in perhaps taking, becoming a certified paralegal or an advanced certified paralegal can learn about what is required and what the necessary steps are. Um, so I hope 
to see everyone at the paralegal convention this year. Yes, that's exciting. Please sign up online. Uh, there's a website for the paralegal convention. Um, definitely sign up. Um, and it'll be an exciting, educational, and well worth your time. And it's an all-day event. And I've attended almost, you know, for many, many years. And it's always been a very great and, uh, you know, uh, very educational time. Um, so definitely well worth it. Um, okay, so Jennifer, I wanted to give you the floor to let our listeners know where they can contact you should they need any family law freelance services or should they want to speak, you know, uh, speak to you or for you to speak and present um, at their colleges or, you know, or any event uh, regarding family law or any other topic uh, that you specialize in. So anybody is free to email me. Um, my email address is j smith paralegal at gmail.com um, or they can call me at uh, 973-464-2449 that is my cell phone so they can also text me if that works better for them I just ask if they're texting to identify who they are um, so I don't just delete you <laughs> or block you um, but I'm happy to answer any questions. I um, am happy to go and speak at any venue regarding family law. I've been doing this for 23 years. So lots of history behind me. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you, Jennifer. And also at the end of each episode, we'd like to talk about what our favorite tea we are drinking or sampling um, since we are paralegal tea time. Do you have a favorite tea that you would like to share? Um, I like cranberry tea. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. Different. <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, finally, before we go, we'd like to leave our listeners with the top three tips of the episode called Today's Tea. Um, we'll be focused on three important paralegal tips going forward um, in 2023. Um, so write down your goals for the calendar year. Number two, identify areas of improvement from last year and make an action plan on how you can achieve better results this year. Number three, identify the great strengths you add to your workplace and keep up the good work for 2023. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us today and providing us with this valuable information. And thank you for having me. <laughs> yes and nice to meet you yes and tune in next week and uh tune in next week and our episode will be an exciting one on a hot topic and thanks for tuning in to power legal tea time <laughs>